Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Pretty good. It's getting that that fall winter time. We, we've we've skipped over for our our weekly weather report. We've skipped over um, fall here in the Midwest, and we are now straight into winter. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, went camp. Got a lot of snow on the ground, do yep, you? Yep, it's happening. Blizzards coming in from the north. No, that's that's uh, Michigan and Wisconsin. They're the ones that always have snow in, in October. True, true. Although there there was back time before, you know, way in the way days before global warming where it would regularly snow here in October. When I'd go trick-or-treating, it would snow. We'd have to wear coats. Hmm. I don't know about where you're from. I figure it would be more up north. It was always stinky. Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, I mean, I grew up in Illinois until I was in nor- northern Illinois, like past Chicago, almost Wisconsin. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. And there was snow. We lived there until uh, the mid-90s hmm. and lived two years in North Carolina where there was almost no snow, but it still got pretty cold. Yeah. Um, and... Than northern Indiana, where, yeah, there was snow. The difference between northern and southern Indiana in the winter, I think, is that both will get snow, but in the north, it'll snow, and the snow will stay, like, on the fields and the sides of the road through most of the winter. I would agree. I would um, agree with that. Where in southern Indiana, it usually warms up enough for stuff to melt, and then often gets cold and then turns into... from like slush into ice which is even more dangerous to drive on yep yep you you got us and and the other but the other thing we have is the um it we freak out and put tons and tons of sand on on you know where we need it because it's ice and snow like you said it's in that slick icy area that we get a lot but they put tons and tons and tons of sand on it so as soon as it melts a week later um then we're just left with the entire winter of covering dirt and gray and crud just on the sides of the road for <laughs> months and months um so yeah anyway all right that's enough of my complaining about that um i did go did a fall ritual kind of fall ritual i guess uh my, some people might say it's a summer ritual but go camping this last weekend i i kind of camped though i didn't fully camp um right i have um some friends and family who go twice a year they always go on mother's day and then they go right around this time in the fall uh, usually at fall break and it's just a bunch of families all getting together and, and camping. Most everybody has campers. There's a few people that still tent camp and I used to be one of those tent campers and I haven't gone for a while because those two times they always pick, it's nearly always raining uh, early spring or, um, or at mid spring, I guess. And late mid fall or something like that. It's always a rainy, rainy season. Um, which means it's cold, but the, their thoughts are the other side of that is that you go in the summer when it's hot and mosquitoes and bugs, and then you, you don't want to be around a fire and stuff like that. So, you know, you pick a, For sure. yeah. the fall time, but anyway, uh, they camp all weekend. I just camped on Saturday. I just kind of went out there, stayed at our buddy Pat's house or not house, but his pop-up camper and it had a heater. So it was warm the whole time. Um, and got to do, uh, you know, visit with, like I said, friends and family, do some of the Halloween thing, see people I don't see but twice a year. And it, you know, it's just something about the smell of a campfire that is fantastic. 
Sure. You just walk up to it, and it's, I'm not talking about like the smoke in your face, but smelling that wood burning and you know covered up with a blanket and a sweatshirt and keeping your feet warm. It's kind of it's kind of nice, you know. And, sure. and it's a it's a shared experience. So everyone else is also miserable. So you're all happy being miserable together. <laughs> um, but it makes you comrades, right? Sure. Sure. So yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, I um there's been a little bit of that here. The 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 counties over here have been under a burn ban for most of the summer. Um because oh. it's so dry. And it's not that dry on this side of the mountains, but I don't know. However they however they decide that. Um I am flexible with those options be, or with those limitations because I have a fire um uh, I don't know what to call it. It's a it's a small stove. I'm sure I've talked about it before. It's about the size of a coffee mm-hmm. can. If anybody remembers, yep. coffee cans. Um, <laughs> right, right. And uh, I mean, I say that, but for all I know, they're still selling like Folgers instant, cheap, like pre ground. Yeah. I'm sure they and, are. Right. Yeah. Um, the instant comes in like a glass jar, but the oh, okay. old like my my, my mom's always came in a in a can, so. A big, like, full-size can of Full-size can of I instant. Guess, I guess, maybe. Yeah, and it had a, um, the plastic top thing that sealed it, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, anyway, uh, I have one of those that I can burn wood, and I've taken it backpacking. Like, I took it to the Boundary Waters, and when Trotsky and Aaron and I went to the Dean Wilderness in Hoosier National Forest, um, and I have that with me in the camper. So I can do wood or charcoal fire in that, but I also have a propane fireball that just has a hose that connects to my um there's a propane connector on the side of my camper um and that's like using gas grow right i turn it on i use a lighter to light it and then when i'm done i turn it off and come back inside so it's it's fire it's heat but doesn't have the smell of of wood burning and more importantly what i can use it when there are burn bands because um there are no like embers or sparks Mm, flying around right and and if you know something if something goes i don't know something catches fire or whatever i can just turn it off it's got a knob on it exactly like a gas grill right um but anyway i am still in washington uh about as i say frequently because there are two parks pretty close to the same region here it's about halfway between seattle and portland um i am moving this weekend so by the next time we record i will be in oregon um but it is full what i have am led to understand is is seattle pacific northwest uh winter which means it's raining almost every day uh, every day i would assume yeah um yeah pretty much i want to say on and off but the off is like a very faint drizzle like it i don't think today it completely stopped at any point i would guess if you're up there for any length of time that's when you have to decide that you invest in a raincoat Right. That's I, I never owned a raincoat, I, but it feels like if I lived in that part of the country, it would be part of my wardrobe. Yeah, I don't. Um, the company I work for does uh, branded merchandise, right? Like we, we put logos yep, on yep. stuff mm-hmm. for people and then they sell it. Um, I don't want to get into a bunch of details of that because it's not interesting. But uh, I mention that because every so often, um, well pretty much every year 
they send us the company sends us Christmas gift boxes, mm-hmm. right? I I think once maybe it was just like a bonus check or something, but they send some stuff, and sometimes it's like snacks and stuff. But there's almost always some kind of gift artifact that's not consumable, right? Um, I think last year we got these kind of small backpacks yeah they're pretty nice um and uh hydro flask water bottles if you know those they're a very popular brand and i was like oh this is nice it's got the company's logo on it but mm-hmm. whatever um and a couple times they have sent us i'm gonna get to the point of this story <laughs> um a couple of times they have sent us jackets um like windbreaker or you know, something a little heavier than that. I think one of the ones I have is North Face, which is the big <laughs> yep. brand people buy. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't imagine a scenario where I'd buy a North Face jacket myself. Yeah. But I have one with the company logo on mm-hmm. it and it's just black. And, yep. um, and so I carry a couple of those with me because I don't have, I didn't bring any of my, like, I have a wool winter coat and stuff. And I don't carry any of that with me because I, my camper is not designed to, survive freezing temperatures without having plumbing issues right and so i'm avoiding that cold <laughs> yeah, you drive but, out um yeah here i have i have that jacket and it's not a raincoat but the material it's made out of does shed water um and so i will wear that if it's raining to, for like walking the dog or um going into town or whatever because it's it's hovering around the 50s uh, 50 degrees here already and so i will be hovering it was 40 i will be 42 today here dennis <laughs> hovering is that you know i don't it says 57 right now so it must have been warmer than that earlier yeah it said high of 62 um it's weird that it's warmer here but the yeah. you know who knows with the ocean i'm about an hour from the ocean and i know that can affect the um weather patterns can affect does affect the weather patterns right um i was i was just thinking I, at the end of my my talk there about camping was like oh right dennis does this every day <laughs> i forgot it's true but i sleep in a bed and don't make a fire <laughs> right every true day. true Fair, like but you're around it like you're around it. So. it there's people out cooking fires probably everywhere you go and... yeah if the if they when they lift the burn ban like especially over the weekend there were more like i could smell the smoke you know from people with with you know fires in their in their um what am i looking for? The, the fire ring metal fire oh ring yeah things. yeah uh, um the only other like somewhat exciting thing that happened is um uh my sister Sarah mm-hmm. is at this campground. Oh cool. Um she's leaving tomorrow. She got the she got the basic membership that I had last year. Yeah. Um where you can only stay 4 days in a place if you want to go from one park to another. Mm. Um and so she got here Saturday. I I do know, I do know yes, that you you are staying at a place much longer than you were last year. Yeah, a week or two usually. Yeah. Um, I I extended my stay here to two weeks. I was only going to be here a week, um, but I bought a bunch of stuff on Prime Day that was not coming until this week, um, and I was like, well, I'll just stay here another week and not deal with, yeah. um, 
like having it sent to a place and maybe getting there, the package getting there before I get there right. or something. Um, cause that's a whole, a whole different thing. But, um, yeah, she and I went yesterday, Sunday up to, um, Mount Rainier. Oh, cool. Uh, How was that? National, yeah. National park. I think it's national park. I never know with some of these places, whether they're a national park. That's national gotta be forest. a national one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a national park. Um, and it was nice, beautiful, but it was also kind of rainy and cloudy. So we couldn't really see the peak of the mountain. Yeah. Um, I've seen it from a further distance off where, um, us 12, which, uh, in, in my mind where I used to live connects Chicago and Detroit across the southern edge of um uh michigan Mm -hmm. yep but out here it goes into this these this town centralia between or maybe it's a little south of centralia uh anyway in between seattle and portland um but that is also the road that gets me from this area toward yakima washington uh over to i-90 that uh that goes back through Spokane and Coeur d'Alene where my brother lives. Um, and so I drove on that road a couple ways and where it goes through the mountains, there's a good viewpoint where you can park and get out and see Mount Rainier in distance. Um, and the first time that I did that, the skies were still clear cause it was, Oh, I don't know, late June, early July. Okay. Um, and got pictures of it there. But anyway, we drove up there and there's a, a road that kind of goes all the way around. We didn't go all the way around. We went up to the visitor center that is like the highest elevation before you have to start hiking. Yeah. Um, we didn't hike because it was raining. Um, but we went there to the visitor center and bought some souvenirs and I got another stamp in my passport book. And uh, yeah, that was a, that was fun. Very day. cool. And do you go on a little hike or anything around that area on the mountainside? I think we maybe would have. She's more of a hiker than I am. If we've talked about that before, she um, did the uh, what they call the through hike on the uh, Pacific Crest Trail. Yes, I remember she heard that. Yeah, is is very near here. I stopped on um, whatever road that is. I think I think that's US two or something. Um, but when it goes through the mountains, there's a stop at. Um, Stevens Pass through the Cascades. None of the, if, you, if you're familiar with this area, you'll know what those places are. I only know them from signs and Google Maps. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's the trail that goes. I think it starts like in Arizona and comes up all the way this way to the Canada border. About I would say an hour, uh, like on a line even though the mountains are in the way, but like an hour straight east of Seattle um, is where the, like it goes through the mountains. Um, Yeah. All that way. But no, it was, it was pretty much drizzling or raining the whole time we were, we were driving. So we got out a couple times and like let the dogs out and took pictures and stuff like that. But who who let the dogs? Sorry. Was it you or Sarah? Who let the dogs out? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, we each have one dog, so we. You both let the dogs out. 
respective. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now that sounds really cool. I, it's it's funny. I I do not see my sister enough, and here you are uh, both country travelers, and you still can manage to to see each other a couple times a year. <laughs> and it, yeah, it yeah. We didn't we didn't plan that, but also she didn't really um, she didn't intend to be moving around so much with her um, rig. She has a she has a 76 or something. It's a seventies, um, airstream. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, I mean, if, if my camper were 50 years old, it would not be roadworthy at all. It would just be trash, <laughs> you know? So, so this is nothing against airstreams. The fact that it's still on the road, but it's, it's you know it's fifty year old it's getting vehicle. there yeah it's not as um it's it's a little more fragile than uh, uh fragile isn't even the right word just just worn right? yeah yeah um, yeah but yeah she's she's doing all right with it um and yeah she joined the joined the same membership that I'm uh, the same network that I'm a member of and so. We're kind of in the same area, and I think we're going to try and coordinate um, getting home for Christmas, even though both of us are like uh, so far and so deal to deal with. Like yeah. planning would be easier if we weren't doing if we were just skipping Christmas this year. But, uh, <laughs> well, the, there's you know it's a big family. There's always at least one person who's like, no, we can't skip Christmas. Right, it's family stuff. Wait, you uh, anyway? You I feel like and we we I mentioned this last week, and I should have followed through uh if it we feel like a missed opportunity that we should should have invited her over to your camper tonight we could have had her on the show and talked about more of this stuff missed opportunity you know i yeah just i remembered you saying that like just as we were setting up and of course remembered it at no time when she and i were hanging out (laughs) right yeah forgot all about it well maybe another time um yeah so well that sounds again pretty cool and and i i do like the idea of being in a campground because they're one of the things that we do when we go these little trips is that one of the many traditions is just the walk around the entire campground and look at everybody's rigs and the stuff they have and all the little things mm-hmm. they put out because it's like a especially during the holidays there's tons of decorations and yep. halloween things everywhere which is kind of funny people decorate their camping things but if you think about it there's a lot of that now i i hung up a wreath last Mm -hmm. year around the holidays and i'll probably do that again just get a live wreath i'm not going to store a fake wreath all year um and i have some i have some lights for it i bought solar lights last year but they didn't i didn't get them until after christmas i'm like well that's useless and so i just like ran a cord out my window with some normal like three dollar yeah uh lights from walmart yeah and I'm looking forward to trying out those solar lights this year and see if they work. <laughs> see that, yeah. The see how, see how they work. Uh, it, it it seems a little odd when you walk around and you see people with you know Halloween decorations and in, in, around their camper stuff until you think about like your situation and not necessarily that everybody's doing this travel stuff, but a lot of people do um, spend long weeks at a campground. I, I yeah, never have, but I know a lot of people do. Y- yeah, there are, if I were to boil it down, no, boil it down, I guess, yeah, reduce it. There are basically three kinds of people who use RV parks. Um, one are the sort of 
typical that you would think of go on vacation. Like they have a camper, they go to the campground for the weekend, yep. maybe a week yep. if it's the summer, and they hang out, they go to the pool, whatever you, stuff you do, right? The Like the vacationers. Then there are people like me who are full-time RVers. They'll go park to park and see new places, but stay in a spot for a while and then move on. Um, there's different types of people do that at varying paces. Um, I think the people who use RV parks like I do um, also do this, like, stay somewhere a week, a couple weeks. My My membership lets me stay up to three weeks at a place, but... I find that a week or two in a place is long enough. Um, and yeah. Um, and then the third type are people who buy or who have a really big camper. I think we've talked about this before, but they, maybe it wasn't on the air. They get an annual um, site. Oh ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I know these an annual people. membership yeah. at a specific campground and they set their camper up at that site and then go home. Right. And so the the camper in the campground in the RV park is like their summer house, their summer, their vacation right. cabin yep. or whatever. And so they'll come out, same thing for a weekend, but they just drive out here and camp and then close everything up and go home. And so the, I think those people... And probably a lot of full-timers like me, but especially the people who don't move their camper around, do more decorating, right? They'll have, maybe not landscaping, but they'll have, like, potted trees and, like, build a deck next to it and um, have a bunch of, like, signs and, you know, stone fire pit. Like, they'll make sort of improvements to the campsite because they're not going to move it. Just This is where their camper lives. Yeah. Um. And so those are the ones that, in my experience, do more decorating. But there are still people who move. Somebody across the quote-unquote road from me came in for the weekend, them and their neighbors, and they still put out, like, rope lights and yard signs and and stuff like that. And I was like, that's a lot of work. You're only here for that two nights. For that little, yeah. Well, um, and some of, the, some of the people that I was with yeah. this time did, did that as well. And, but you're right. Yeah, most of it is these the the summer. I think a lot of when I was growing up, when we'd go to the campgrounds, there was uh, at least twenty five to fifty percent of the the camping spots were people who had like these kind of summer home type things yeah. that they would they'd have, and you know they'd have the TV and all the electric stuff all run out to there, and it's it's all those people that when you um, uh, leave on Sunday and they're still all just hanging out with their things. I'm like, Oh yeah, they've, they've been here a week, not just the weekend and they're going to stay for the next right. week. And this is, this is their place. And, you, and they've got, you know, lawn chairs that are on like AstroTurf patios and things. And you're like, <laughs> Oh, and again, I'm not, that, don't, don't seem like that's knocking it. That's pretty cool. It's just a whole different kind of thing. They, uh, like I, when I was younger, you know, find this wonderful kind of relaxing, peace being on a campground um and community even and just choose to stay there as their yeah. spot right that's the thing that where yeah. they want to go start to see sometimes if i'm if my stay overlaps with people i'll see somebody several times in the same 
trip. It's been an interesting transition because when I started, I was the guy moving every four nights. And so I would see the the network um, gives everybody uh, a car tag, hangs from your mirror, mm-hmm. and also a, a, um, a site tag, like a print, a piece of paper you fold in half, that either goes... There'll be like a clip on the power box outside, or they want you to tape it on the front of your camper or put it in the window. Um, and that paper shows in big, bold letters their checkout date, right? It's so that the park staff can come around and check, make sure nobody's staying longer than they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, I, I say all that to say when I'm out walking or now walking the dog, I can see when people are leaving, right? I could see the dates and go, man, that guy's here until June. What members does he, did he get a six month, like pay for it, you know, (laughs) kind of thing or, or whatever. And now I'm the guy, if I stay in a place two weeks, anybody that's not a annual site, I can see a lot of them come and go in the time that I'm here. And I'll like come around and I'm like, oh, that guy's gone now. And, <laughs> oh, oh, those people are new. That's a, it's just a different, uh, different perspective. I was that guy, you know, coming in for the weekend and then leaving again while nobody, you know, everybody around me was just there the whole time. Just there the whole time. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's very, it's very cool. I, I, I always forget. See, I get, I get lost in the exhaustion of it because I've not had a camper. Um, it's always been tent camping. It's just mm-hmm. quite a bit of an ordeal. Um, and I've never, me being me, I never let things that are difficult get in my way of, of enjoying them if I want to. Uh, so you just kind of bear through it, but man, just, you should get older and you've done it. It's not necessarily as you get older. So it's not like, you know, my body's wore out and I can't do it. It's the, um, I've done so much of it already that you kind of want to graduate upwards to, I guess, onto something that's, you know, enjoy the same things you like without having to do all the hard work of, of tenting it up and putting it all away and drying it out, etc. Pat, when he was done with his pop-up camper, he just put it all, condensed it all down and took it home, right? And if it was like our buddy Zahn was there, you have to take it all there, take it home, find ways to dry it all out. And hang it up to dry it. Up and yeah. Deal with yeah. It I, I wonder that when I, every once in a while on YouTube, I'll see, um, you know, it's usually some Asian girl. I think YouTube recommends that stuff to me because I watch camper videos and I watch anime videos. Yeah. Um, but she will, and I say girl, the young women, um, you know, a, uh, you know, she will go to a site, drive there, maybe hike a little bit, maybe moped, what, whatever. That's not important. She'll set up a campsite with all the like tent and the bed and the chair and like all of its, you know, stuff has to be assembled and stay one night and then pack it all up and go home. And I'm like, it was rainy. Like she's camping an hour outside of Seoul in Korea and it's raining the whole time. And so she's packing that stuff up wet. She's got to go home and hang it all. And she was only there one night. Like, what? That does not seem worth it to me. <laughs> Just a lot of work for that. But Although, I mean, I did that when we went to Hoosier National Forest. Like, we hiked in there, um, stayed the night, and then hiked out. But that was, I don't know, that was an experience. I wouldn't do that more than once or 
twice a year at most. So I don't know. And and modern day camping. I was talking to somebody today about how um, even modern day tent camping is can be considerably easier uh, with modern equipment. You know, I know I've seen people come with yeah. a tent that takes thirty five seconds to set up. They just pull, you know unzip the, the bag it comes in, pull it out, and then it just kind of like extends. Everything's all put together, and boom, it's set. And you're like, wow, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and it's. And it's all, I learned that when we did the Boundary Waters uh, backpacking trip. Like everything is, not everything, but so many things are lighter and better than they were when I did it 30 years yes, ago. Yes, yes. And, and I mean, um, 10 years ago, right? It, it just keeps going yeah. better and better. And, and it does make me, when I see this kind of stuff, want to just pitch the things I have and kind of start over. Well, um, you, for example, and... Um, Everybody, Aaron and Trotsky and Zahn have done that whole, you know, measuring the ounces of your spoons to make a perfect carrying backpack type stuff. And mm -hmm. just kind of following along with Trotsky, it's pretty impressive. You know, all the neat little gadgets and gadgets that you get, and it's all a weight ratio type stuff and how much you want to add and take this away, which is just super neat. You know, Zahn was packing his things up before and just watching what he had being able to fit into a backpack was very impressive. So, oh, before, but we should, we should move on because we are talking a long time about wild camping, which we talk about every week. Um, uh, so this week, um, we, we did two things. One is we kind of backwardsly fell into watching the show Taskmaster um, on, it's BBC, right? But we're not watching it on BBC. I'm watching it on, is it on Hulu? It's on YouTube. 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 That's what YouTube. it is. Yeah, YouTube. Um, and it's a... Again, is it BBC series? It's a British uh, show. I ass I assume everything British is BBC. That's probably not accurate, but right. I I assume it's bad I assume. on us for for not knowing that. Um, but uh, it is it is on there. I think it's one of our friends, probably Justin, has said he couldn't get it, and I don't know why. Both of us kind of just started watching it, but it it, it the the well I. I'll, I'll I'll interject yeah. here with that. I had heard about this before um, on TikTok. There's a guy who pops up once in a while who's a author, and he'll go in depth about topics and um, different things every once in a rare while, political. But um, he mentioned this show, and I was like, "That sounds interesting. I've never heard about that." From a like character personality perspective. Um, which I noticed early on, but then after I've only seen the first series, the first six episodes, um, and they changed the the contestants every. And I described this this show last week. It's a game show where the host and his assistant, both of whom are comedians, get five comedians to perform tasks, and then he judges them based on those how they perform those tasks. And and, and the judging is um, completely subjective. Judging is completely subjective. Some of the tasks have a measurable um, goal where they're like, get this as high as you can. But then sometimes he'll disqualify people for whatever reason that is funny. And, and um, now if you think it's, if, if you're listening and thinking it's like, oh, it's like whose line, it in, whose line is it anyway? Sure, but not really. This actually, like, whose line is it anyway? It's like 12 points for a, do, a good job, whatever. But they don't really... Points aren't really a thing, and that is when we say arbitrary judging. Yes, the those rules are made were, up, and the points don't matter. But yes, but it's right there in the right. In but the but in this one, points do matter, and that each round and task does have scoring points 
the same because yeah, so there is a sure. winner at the end of the day right there's there's a winner for each episode and then a winner for the the entire series um and there's there's not because they're all or season um, winner for the entire season series is a little different because uh, there's di- there's well, different people yeah. on each season. Uh, yeah, season. I I say series because that's what they call it. Six episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um. But the 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 prizes each week are things that the contestants bring in of their own. At least in the first season series. Um. I don't know if that changes as the show goes on. So it's fairly low stakes. I think the winner of it all does get some money, but most of them are working comedians, so that they're, they're already celebrities. Um, so they're not really playing for money. It's just this sort of, um, like pride or clout or respect. And, and some of the stuff that they bring in per episode is, are things that are incredibly valuable. Like one, one guy brought in his wedding ring one and then didn't win. And you're like, ah, okay. It it makes Um, me wonder how, like if they actually, those are prizes that. One, if they're real. Yeah, you know, like, or... like what's really going on if he gave it back or um, whatever. The one guy brought in, he brought in a ring that he bought like in the, not in the 80s, like in 2001 for like 600 pounds or something. It's not super expensive. And the assistant had it appraised and it was worth almost four grand. And you can see the guy who brought it in like shocked. Right. But then, of course, rolls it because he was the, the older contestant. He like gestures toward the audience and he's like, well, that's a lot of money to these people. <laughs> right. Because it's it's a comedy show like everything is a joke. But um, the the one this is probably I don't know, like the show is very funny and I recommend it if you can can parse and appreciate British humor. Um, when I talked about that a little bit last week. And so this is maybe a little more analytical than your average viewer will want to do. But um, the TikTok video where I heard about it, to just just complete that thought first, I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I should watch that. And then forgot all about it until um, Justin brought it up like a week ago. And I was like, yeah, that's that was that show I wanted to watch. I should check that out. Um, but what he said was, these are performers. Right. So they have a persona that they uh, wear on stage. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this, you know, this guy is the mean, the angry guy. Comic. So he, the the angry guy. So he's always kind of glaring and deadpan kind of face. But as, um, as the season goes on and the tasks that they do get more absurd, not even more absurd, just like continually like, pushing just the like um the nonsense the nonsense of these of these tasks um it kind of erodes away that persona for for some of these people and by the last episode um a lot of their interactions are just very natural right um and it's kind of fascinating to watch all while along just laughing at them doing these ridiculous tasks and and making jokes at each other's expense because that's British comedy. Right. Yeah. I I when I was saw it, it was um, 
again, this British comedy is hit or miss for me because of, of the type of, again, it's this kind of dry, polite, but snarky-ish type humor. And and I think the, the, it's, the, it's, the British humor is... It's humor's, dry and polite or it's, or it's very mean. Or it's very mean, or it's very Which mean, is, right? Um, yeah, they're like sarcasm. And, and so. then it's also... Uh, I think I can, we're being very generalistic here, but uh, general British comedy is more long form. Almost a lot of the stuff are playing jokes that will pay off longer down, down the way. Um, so you, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, somewhat, yeah. somewhat, you know, and um, like saying a guy is curmudgeonly or, or mad is funny for a second, but it's, it's, it's funnier as he keeps doing it more. And it's, you know, it's kind of an act, that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, so yeah. my point was that it's, you know, it's kind of hit or miss for me, uh, but sometimes it's really great. And the other side to that is that if you give it more than just a minute with our American quick ADHD kind of stuff, um, then you just get sucked in on a lot of uh, British shows, not just comedies or anything. Uh, you just, I guess they're pretty good at long form storytelling. Um, and it's that's what happened with this show is that I watched an episode and then the other one started playing and I'm like, okay. And I really wasn't watching it cause I, it's kind of, it's one of those ones that you can don't have to pay attention to. Um, sure. and you can have it over on one side and still be working. Um, and then it just goes to the next one and you catch the little jokes here and there. Cause like you said, they become comfortable with each other. They start telling just normal hanging out jokes, which is funny. Um, mm-hmm. and then, and then that was like, Oh, now I'm just, before I, I knew it, I was eight, to nine episodes in, you know, where there's six in the first season, but I was in the next season already. Um, and it just went really fast. And it is, like you said, it's kind of funny. It's they're lighthearted. The best part about it, this show, so where we get to kind of the review part is that the contestants are all in like, they're there for it. It's, it's none of them are, you know, the term is half-assing it. You know, they'll, they'll figure out how to do something and they'll have a fun time doing it. And it, even the ridiculous stunts, there's one like, take these three gigantic beach ball things up to the top of a hill and it's windy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds so stupid, but they're doing it. And then they'll figure out ways and then they'll go ask people to help. And it's like, and they're all trying to compete. They know that other people are doing it in a certain amount of time. And that's, yeah, you know, it's, it's, very, it's very fun, especially the ones that are really kind of little geniuses when they do stuff you know how because mm-hmm. they'll look at the rules and they'll say oh he didn't say i couldn't pick it over with my feet you know right so yeah which exactly. is exactly pre- pretty great so I, I i'm enjoying it i need haven't watched it since that once binge binge worthy thing last week um but i'm ready to pick it up again and just kind of start watching it it is a nice thing that you can do while mini painting doing something else you know and have it on in the background it's just a nice it's a nice thing and yeah, they've got like 63 the, seasons so not that many but a lot yeah they're like they do more than one a year so they're like 16 seasons yeah and it started and they're not like 24 five, episodes but yeah, just a, no right they're the they're the british six episode series um yeah the the tasks themselves often have you know you want to watch you want to see them do because it's that's that's where the comedy is but then in the in the studio with the audience um it's almost all talking right i mean you want to see for some of them you want to see their faces because they're you know like ramesh in the first series is 
always glaring at yeah yeah yeah, he's great yeah yeah um but you know there's all this banter and stuff that you can just listen to you're right about that yeah it's 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 an easy watch um and it's funny the only one that i'm not a fan of is the taskmaster just because he's supposed to be you know uh not mean but you know in charge and that's his stick kind of type thing but uh sure. everybody else has has their great moments it's, you know see again i'm only through halfway through season two um but and i and i was a little sad because there's only six season of the f- first episodes got and you get the you get through that first six episodes you're like oh i like these guys and i'm real comfortable with them and then then they're gone um but but just as quickly the next group of people are also fun because they're this is their job they're comedians right they are generally funny people um it's not like yeah. A normal reality show where you get some people that are just really lame and dumb or boring and then it's up to the editors. Now these guys are just that's naturally this way. So guys and girls. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so but yeah, good good show. I like it. I definitely would recommend it to just about anybody. There's there's really no one I wouldn't say just give it two episodes and then you'll be and you'll be you'll like it. Yeah, I think it started like the first episode was T V fourteen, but then after that it was it was M. But it's really because you know they're they're making like suggestive jokes but even at that like it's it's fairly clean oh yeah i mean and from what i've seen i've seen i've seen it in different formats i've seen the the one on youtube which is generally clean and but if you watch it the like the unedited version they have um you know there's curse words that they'll use uh, throughout it's not censored so yeah yeah, that's that's about the like you said suggestive things or whatever jokes but and then they'll curse so yeah i guess i wouldn't recommend it to like kids or something but that would be boring for them right um yeah anyway i uh i like it thumbs up for taskmaster and i will continue to watch it and i bet you i'll burn through more of it than than i ever thought possible (laughs) uh okay uh oh do we want to talk about a minute about loki i don't know if i've got a lot to say about that i watched one episode i think you've watched two there's two out. Yeah, I've seen I've seen two. Yeah. The only reason I say I don't know is because it, there's it at least in the one episode, it's it's confusing in a way that like not in a bad way, it's just part of the show that I think you need to watch more episodes um, to get kind of yeah. What's I going mean, on. I don't know yet how to compare it to the other Marvel series, but that first episode for sure is just like a lot of nonsense. Like, you get that there's, you know, there's something going wrong, and the characters don't understand it, and neither do you, and you sort of remember what happened in the first season. That's the big um, part, is that I think I need to rewatch the last episode, because I remember the whole he, he who he who remains, but I don't remember amazing. what happened at the very end when they split all the timelines and started the multiverse, but... It, evidently that's that's everything about this really season either. so yeah th- that's that's one of the hard things about watching this again it's like i don't really remember all the things are going but that being said um it seems pretty fun so far um already i will say that the first episode is more enjoyable than uh secret invasion was um sure it's just it, it's already more fun it's keyword that is subjective mm-hmm. but um so I'm sure we'll come back to it later, but I will say that it's the, it's a little confusing. It's got, again, the same kind of cast, same kind of people. They're doing the same kind of things um, if, from the first season. So if you enjoyed that, uh, although at least in the first episode, I haven't seen Sylvie. 
they talk about her, but I don't think they show her, uh, which is the female Loki, right? Loki, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm sure she'll be in there, I think, but you know we haven't seen that yet. Uh, which is always a it's, a it's always a weird thing for me to think about because it's kind of like Loki's crush, but that's himself, which makes him narcissistic. But is it? And it's so well, weird. Yeah, I mean it's it's Loki. I think I think. Um between the writing and and Tom Hiddleston I like the I like the portrayal of of this character that was probably the weakest thing about the first season is that you know depending on who I talked to because I had several conversations about this and that since since season 1 happened which was I don't know a year or two ago um that in a lot of ways he was the present day Loki who Thanos killed um but he was supposed to be 2012 Avengers yeah. Loki, who was still just like pure villain. And they sort of fast forwarded that character development to make him the Loki we all know. And I understand why they did that. It just felt like lazy writing. Right. Um, and I don't know. I think enough happened in season one to to sort of justify the character that he is now. He's he's obviously very comfortable in that role. Yeah. Um, Owen Wilson is still great. Um, and in season one, this is mild spoiler, but we got um, Kehui Kwan from uh, 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 Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. and and more recently, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. And he's he's pretty good. Fan- he's pretty good fantastic. in this. I like his character. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I think actually when he comes on the scene, it's that's when it's like starts to get enjoyable. You know, I mean, not that it's bad. It's just that oh, this is an interesting character, and the way he talks and his lines are delivered, it's like that's pretty mm-hmm. great. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, we've, we've talked about that at length with Loki being not Loki. He's the young one. And I'm, it's good that you brought it back up again, just because a reminder. Um, I think now we just have to be on board. It's kind of like the same thing with Thor, with dude bro Thor, who he is now. Um, they just yeah, change I mean, I have, characters. I have no comparison. Right? I have no comparison to who these characters were in the comics but, but you still knew them thor before comic. like from like the first two right. thor movies right yeah th- this is more consistency within the mcu um because obviously he's not going to be you know loki from norse mythology as much as i understand that either but i under- i know more of that source material than the marvel comics yeah, um, and he's considerably a whole different character, not just from progression, just because they just changed him um, from the first two Thor movies, MCU movies. So it's the same right. way that yeah. Thor himself is markedly a different character than he was in the first two things. And again, not because of right. character progression, just because, hey, we need to change styles, you know. Um, and, and because of that, we're at the point now, bringing it back to Loki, that we just got to accept that this is the character of Loki in the MCU um, and just a different kind of person from before. And that's who it is. And Hiddleston p- plays that character. Well, um, trying to be a hero type thing, you know, just different. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll come back to that one so far. Okay. Uh, there, they are. This is where um, Kang got his start. The, right. the, the new modern day Thanos. Um, which and he? Which movie was he in? He was in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp or Wasp Quantumania. That's right. Yeah. So he was one of his versions, and then 
he'll be in another one. I can't think of which one he's going to be in as the main villain again. Um, it's just interesting with him as a villain. Um, he's more around than Thanos was because um, Thanos was just around as like a tag character here and there. Mm-hmm. And people would mention him um, to, to give dread. But in, in the current phases of Marvel, he's like a main villain and known and seen and things like that. So, mm-hmm. which I I kind of said this before, makes him less of a threat because they beat him every time. I don't think yeah. writers or the big picture people are seeing this. They're like, oh, it's it's intimidating and scary because he just keeps coming back. It's like, you know what? Any villain just keeps coming back. That's not scary. They just keep getting beat. It makes them really weak and kind of pathetic, you know? Right. So if, if you can beat them once... You can beat them again, even if it's a different version, a different incarnation. Okay, we've got 7,000 heroes. We can just keep beating the same guy in different ways. And that's, I don't think that's very interesting. Um, no, no, I agree. And, and unfortunately, I think Marvel is figuring that out as well. The Obviously, the, the actor that plays Kang is having some legal issues right now, and Disney's not mm. not like kicking him out of the role or not even bringing that up, but that's obviously part of, the, of a discussion. But one of the reasons I think Disney is uh, happy with being quiet on that subject is because they can keep getting feedback on whether people think that this is a good villain at all. Um, whereas they, they might have been like, oh yeah, this is our big guy, but their movies have done so poorly and ones that are centered around there, and they're still getting this, like, the villain's bad. The villain's terrible. He's not interesting type stuff. They can kind of do a quick poll instead of saying, oh, this is a 10-year Kang project like the Infinity Saga was. They can say, oh, we'll just end this next one with an Avengers movie, fight Kang, and then move on. You know, they can switch gears mm-hmm. uh, if if they need to because the actor changed, and it's a good excuse for them to do it. But, yeah, Kang is just a... Uh, just not that threatening. I, I really liked him in last season of, of Loki. Like the character is set up to be he who remains was, you know, thoughtful, introspective, interesting. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they, they need to do something besides just throw the same actor in a different costume, you know, to make him interesting. And may, maybe Loki season two will do that. We'll bring us all together. So yeah. 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 Never know. Uh, okay, before we run out of time or go over other things, let's talk about our show for the week, our movie of the week. Our, our movie sh- our movie, show. movie show. All right, this week we watched Dracula, Dead and Loving It from 1995. This is a Leslie Nielsen movie. Uh, directed, written, and starring Mel Brooks, mm-hmm. who you probably know from Every, such everything. films, such such classic farce parodies as uh, maybe satire parodies as uh, Spaceballs, uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, um, a bunch of others. Yep, I, he's a and he's a, I, he's a legend. I mean, he just really is. Yeah, co- a comedy uh, parody legend yeah and and uh one way they say once in a generation kind of type person i mean see more than a generation he's his his films are just you know their own thing um that being said of the ones i've seen which has been a good amount i think this is both leslie nielsen and mel brooks's weaker uh 
products in, in my opinion. Um, I sat and watched this with, uh, our buddy Pat and Trotsky and we, and we were in a good mood. We were all excited to watch it. We were totally giving it the, you know, extra laughs when you could tell there's supposed to be a joke, but it wasn't really a joke. It didn't come out very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There were some, a few, you know, gags and jokes that were good. Um, uh, but I don't think that there was anything that made us belly laugh at, at any way at any yeah. point. Yeah, uh, m- more That's like ah, that that was that was fun. You know, that was that was kind of that was okay. Um, <laughs> kind of like the the um, get the last word in gag. It's kind of mildly funny, but you know, yeah, yeah, you know, um, or things like the the hat when he takes his hat off his wig, which is really great. Right, that's one of probably the best gags, but it's sure. but again, it's not like when you watch something like Airplane with Nielsen, he's doing those gags every five seconds, right? Um, and and in here, it was just okay, um, and yeah, it yeah. it had some of the and and obviously maybe not obviously, but Mel Brooks is heavily inspired by you know the vaudeville and stuff like. Um, um, Abbott and Costello that we watched last week. Um, but there were some gags like the the blood when they stake uh, Lucy. Um, which I said this last week, but this story is um fairly a direct parody of Bram Stoker's Dracula in yeah. the same way that Men in Tights is a parody of um uh, Prince of Thieves, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, right. Um, but they, they stake the vampire in the coffin, which I guess is a mild spoiler. Um, if you're not familiar with Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, and there's just a geyser of blood spraying out of the coffin and they do it like two or three times. And I'm like, okay, it was funny. There was a lot of rule of three, right? The comedy rule of three, where you do something twice and then a little while later you do it again. And that's the payoff. Um, but some of these were like, the three were too close together where I was like, all right, yeah, we saw it with the blood. Okay. It was kind of funny the first time. I've also seen this before, so I remembered, I mean, a long time ago, but I remembered some of the gags. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is when he does the thing and Mel Brooks hides behind the the pillar. And so there's no blood on him. And they'll do a reference to that later. Yeah. Um, but yeah yeah it, it, it that's a good example of a kind of a gag that it was i don't know five minutes of the thing that the gag was and and it was fine you know he's got a lot of blood and then there's oh, more blood and okay like you said the, the rule of three and it, it was it it was i don't know sometimes that you know what did uh guy that did seth mcfarland say if it's funny once it's 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 hilarious seven times or if it's not funny once keep saying it and it'll be funnier um Sometimes that works. Sometimes when you've got a really thing, it's not that funny. It's just kind of like, okay, I'm, can we move on type stuff? Um, and, yeah. and there was a lot of that, I think, in this one where they were not so funny lines or not so funny things that weren't weren't bad. They were just flat. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't go on. Uh, and I think that's how all three of us, when we came out of that, it was like, yeah, that was fine. It wasn't terrible. We spent our our time watching it. But, you know, there was... It's not one that we're going to be like, oh, we all need to go take this to the guys and I'll watch because we're all going to laugh so much. Um, right. And and and, as, and to be honest, I watched that the following day after we recorded 
and then I was having trouble remembering anything really about it. So I had to skip through again t- today <laughs> um, after work just to remind, oh yeah, what scene was, oh yeah, there was that girl and then there was that. And okay, so so I can have something to talk about because I'd just forgotten uh, most of the stuff. Um, sure. And Leslie Nielsen wasn't that funny as Dracula. He's just usually like on it. Uh, but I can't even think of hardly any memorable thing that he had that was a Leslie Nielsen classic type stuff. It just, it just really wasn't. Um, and Mel Brooks coming in helped a little bit, but again, his gags were just okay. So that's really all I have to say right. about it. It's, it's just, it's mid at best, but there's no, hmm. there's never a bad thing with these guys. It's just, eh, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can't really disagree with any of that. Um, I've not seen a lot of, Leslie Nielsen films. Um, did we watch one of the Naked Gun movies? I'm sure we did. I know there's that. There's like Naked Gun 33 and a third. Um, I know there are a bunch of them. I just yeah. don't remember if we watched any for the podcast. Sure. Um, you know, we watched Airplane, um, and I've seen uh, Wrongfully Accused, the fugitive yep. Uh, yep. parody. I don't remember if we watched that or not. Um and Naked Gun, which is a Lethal Weapon parody, right? Leslie Nielsen does a lot of parodies. Yeah. Or did. Um, and, yeah, his, like, the his, his normal, like, deadpan kind of delivery character that he usually does um, didn't really work here because he's supposed to be this monstrous villain, right? That's this, this uh, incarnation of Dracula. Um, and the, the actor who played, um, the fiance, um, Steven Weber, who I, I recognize his name, uh, Harker is the character. Oh, we, I recognize him from Wings. I don't know if that old show from the nineties, something like that called Wings. But yeah. Um, I mean, this is, this movie is in his known for, and he was in, I believe um, it. I believe it. He was in a TV version of uh, of The Shining, which I never saw. But um, oh, as John Tor- as Jack Torrance, the the guy, um, uh, the the Jack Nicholson character. But he, at least in this movie, his acting was just bad. Yeah, just bad, just bad. Um, right? Yeah. He was just flat. Like he was reading off cue cards. I don't know what. Um, was going on there both of the 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 women the um the fiance and and her friend were both you know fully into the roles as was of course mel brooks and um uh the actor playing the dad uh, um he's been in a lot of things but i can't think of his name yeah um been in a lot of stuff i don't remember the name so i can't figure out which of these casts is him anyway um he was in but for whatever reason uh the guy playing harker was just was just so awkward and flat yeah and 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 his none of his stuff was the the blood part was the most funniest thing that he had and that was not that funny (laughs) you know like maybe maybe the the scene where lucy is trying to seduce him in the in the graveyard like his reactions are good um there but the rest of the time it's like he's looking into the distance or whatever it's just awkward yeah um 
And yeah, just a lot of like stuff that maybe seemed funny on paper, like when he glamours, when uh, Dracula glamours them and is trying to control them and they keep like doing these sight gags running at each other. I'm like, this is a, this is a vaudeville thing yes. that like maybe, maybe in a movie in the seventies, it was funny, but in the nineties, you're like, yeah, this is okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's tired. Uh, tired was, yeah. And again, not, I, I want to repeat, not bad. Wasn't like, this is, I'm going to turn it off and stop watching everything. It was just, it wasn't really laugh out loud, loud kind of funny stuff. Yeah. yeah. Not, not either of, of Mel Brooks or Leslie Nielsen's best work. Yeah. And, and, and they, it. and they do put out many things that are laugh out loud, funny type stuff. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So that's uh, not a thumbs down, just a meh. <laughs> Five out of 10. Or, you know, we'd say, I would say that. I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> in, in the. All right. Well, it's, yeah. it's my turn this week and we didn't talk about it's it. It's your turn. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What are, what are we going to do? I should <clears throat> look at our list here. I'm going to say it, say some things out loud and see if the uh, uh, audience is following along and say, oh, it's terrible. Um, <clears throat> Krill is something interesting because it's an old 80s sci-fi fantasy type thing that's like, again, it's those um, kind of like He-Man and um, Dragon Slayer uh, type shows um, that I, I haven't so you, seen in so you, long. You don't want to keep the the goofy Halloween theme going? Oh, I guess we do have Halloween stuff. Because I guess it, we do have like another week, right, until Halloween. Uh, yeah, what were we doing? Um, we have we have two more weeks. Last week you wanted to watch Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Yeah. Man. That's on my list, but, you know, I can find something else if you want to do that this week. Is it a comedy? I'm assuming it's a comedy. I don't know. I honestly don't know anything about it. Um, I've Pride, you know Pride I Pride saw Prejudice it in the is theater. so weird because it's like I like the Pride and Prejudice story. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean it's the Pride and Prejudice story with a zombie story on top of it. So there's there's definitely comedy, but not you know definitely not Mel Brooks level of comedy. Um, but somewhere maybe slightly less funny than like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which I've only seen the first two. So yeah, I can't speak to the whole series, but we're like, there are some jokes. There are some things that are funny just because, and especially because we just watched three different versions of, of Pride and Prejudice. Um, I think we'll recognize where they're um, having fun with the original source material. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's probably, if, if we're going to watch it, might as well watch it now, because um, it's Halloween time, and we did just watch the, the other ones. Um, so, I, Pride and Prejudice Zombies, you can watch that one, uh, and see how that goes. Uh, okay, let's write that down, ladies and gentlemen. Two weeks on Dennis's list. Get that. Okay. So, what else do we got here, Dennis? Uh, what else did you do this week? Dennis's stuff. I played. I, I played Dark Tide. I played that before. I, I bought it in the past. It's a Warhammer 40k theme. We're going video games here now, guys. Um, it's a Warhammer 40k first person shooter, right? That's got some difficulty to it. It's not Dark Souls difficulty, but it's not easy. 
right? It's very gritty and dark. Lots of lots sure. and lots of blood and viscera type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been out for about a year, I think, ish. Um, but it was fine when it came out. We were real excited to walk, to play it. Because, uh, several of our friends, uh, it's because it's a big co-op type game. Uh, and we had played Vermintide, which was really fun before that. So Vermintide is very much like it, but not in the 40K universe. More fantasy. Okay. Um, Let me see. So now we play Darktide, which is sci-fi. It's basically sci-fi Nazis because they're just kind of the worst people. Um, right. And we were excited for it. But when it came out, it was I played it for like a week or two and was just kind of fell flat with it. It's It's a fine game and fine game experience, but it has what I like to refer to as a League of Legends problem in that, and it's not going to be the problems you think when I say League of Legends, but it's it's that it's so long. Every match is like 35, 40 minutes. And when I'm playing a first-person shooter, that's forever. You know, that's just like, uh, when is this going to end, right? It's supposed to be, I think, first-person shooter, viscera, killing waves and waves of zombies and monsters that are just coming at you like fast pace. You just get exhausted, right? Like, oh my gosh, now we got to go to the next area and there's waves and waves and fighting it off and it's so difficult and you're just barely living and hanging on. It's like, that's fine for 10 or 15 minutes, but 35 minutes, 30, 35 minutes, oh my gosh, just forever. And then you're like, and that's just one thing and you've got to grind up experience points to get the beginning, like the next weapon unlocked, which Mm. makes your class, like your characters, all the characters start out, the classes, I'm using air quotes, start out exactly the same kind of gun, same weapons, things like that. But not until you're like, let's say level five, do you start to get a little bit like a weapon that makes like, I'll have a staff if I'm a mage type character. I'll get a staff finally when I'm level five. And it take it would take something like six to seven of those playthroughs to get a level. So you're playing a lot of time and a lot of stuff as a basic person to just start to get to the point where, okay, now... I'm starting to become something different. It's just a lot of that mm-hmm. grinding. Um, sure. And it, so it was not bad, and the gameplay loop is fine, but it wasn't addicting fine. Or you get everything that you want you know, out of one play session, and then you want to move on. And you need to play 30, 40, something like that. Uh, so a lot of people just dropped out of the game um, soon after. Um, so they had a patch. This was kind of, they had a big patch, and they redid all of the classes and a lot of the system and a lot of the UI things they did too in the UI was that um, you couldn't, they would use all those terms that you and I talk about when they'd call a paladin something else. Right. Um, Or they'd say something's EXP and they call it Rubelin or some kind of silly thing. So you don't know exactly (laughs) what you're getting. Um, And there was a lot of that. And then when you, and the UI didn't help you to understand that you're just putting points to unlock something. It was very convoluted to make, you know, to make it that way. Um, and so they, they put a patch in, changed a whole bunch of stuff. It's been a year of patches. This big one changed a whole bunch of the game, totally redid classes. Um, and we got to play it. So a couple of us played it two weeks ago when it first came out. And I will say it is much improved. I did have a good time playing it. Uh, first off, the biggest thing for me was that I could hop in and they have talent trees now. So you can actually, just like you would see a normal talent tree, open up your character and there's a tree that goes downward and you pick tech tree stuff, right? 
pretty sure that was like right there they took stuff that was convoluted and weird and just put it into a tree and you're like yes please give me the thing i need to see um and that was helpful and then also because of that talent tree you got right off the bat when you start every class is different and and very much has a flavor and you can play them to a role and it's clear like i saw because of my talent tree i can play a support and it's this thing and this is how i play the support I'm, okay great i stun guys and everybody else kills them that's what i can do or this one does straight area dps this one does straight area shielding I'm like it's that was so straightforward and i get it at level one um so that was a huge improvement uh just making the classes feel different do different things when we went into fight all of it's four players at one time all of the characters there definitely felt different and were adding different things to the team now i granted i bet dark tide was like this after you had played it for 300 hours right when you finally ground all the way up to unlocks yeah yeah, um yeah, yeah which is you know you just lose the game or lose your your audience i should say um, so that was a huge improvement. It still has the same problem of long, long games. Uh, so mm. we played it twice, but I don't really have a desire to hop back in because, again, that League of Legends thing, it's like, ugh, I want to play a something. Big commitment of time. I just yeah. got a commitment. Yeah. And then I'm going to commit. I'm going to get through that thing and I'm going to get a little bit of experience points. And I'm going to be like, oh, I just need to do two more of those to get a point in my talent tree. But that's another hour, you know. So, yeah, yeah, and, and I don't, I don't think that's just a me with, you know, wanting to hop from game to game. I can play Baldur's Gate for hours and hours and hours. Um, but yeah, it's just that it's just a weird mix of try to be adrenaline all at the edge of your seat constantly for a long time, which doesn't, yeah. in my opinion, mix. So it's my review, Dark Tide update. It's good. Much improved. If you liked it, but was had little problems going back to it, I think you'll like it even more. It is on Game Pass, Microsoft Game Pass, so you can get it mm-hmm. for not free, but ten dollars a month. And I think it's worth ten dollars for sure, uh, at least just to get it and play it for a weekend, and that's definitely worth it. Um, sure. So, but I don't know if we would go back and, and play that. We, we often in the same group will go back and play games like, um, what's the rock and stone game? Uh, let's see rock and stone, deep rock galactic, deep rock galactic. That, that's another game that we play in the, it's very similar, but it's got a 10 minute, 15 minute gameplay loop, you know, at most. Right. And then, and then we all hang around, do something fun in between and have a good, you know, mid time level up, get unlocked stuff. And you just kind of feel you're always doing stuff in that game. And this one is, not like that type stuff. So, yeah. That's my review of that thing. What else you got for me, Dennis? Um, Let's see. Aside from watching shows, watching Archer. Um, You're catching up with Archer, though, right? You're almost there. Yeah. We're on our slowly. sad last season. I think they just put out the last episode. That's all in the news we somewhere. We talked about Loki. I'm still playing way too much Baldur's Gate. Um, again, still speaks to the good quality of the game. So am I. Yeah. If, if you haven't, um, you know, it's been a couple weeks since we talked about that. Um, 
most of what I could say is like specific to the stories, but the one um, thing that I that I realized after because I've played, I've not really played Act Three, and there are three acts in the game, but I've played the first two acts like three times, twice, twice all the way to the end of Act Two, and like. All of Act One, I've done like six times. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, part of that is because my computer died, and I did get those new parts installed, and but I'm still playing on my. And, on my and what computer. did I hear you? I, what did I hear you? And I quote, "Say last Sunday, how have I not seen this <laughs> in Act One? Yeah, I'm <laughs> still, still finding little things, nooks and crannies. Part of the the, at least for me, the downside to playing through stuff again is even if I make different choices, there are some things where I'm like, well, this is going to go this way. And so I get this and I got to go here and it's a sort of checklist. Um, but then stuff that I've never found, I don't know to go look for again. So I'm not thoroughly exploring the map because I've seen so much of it um, that I still am finding things that I've never found before. Um, and I'm playing with different alignments my first game was kind of neutral leaning good uh then i started an evil game i lost both of those when my computer crashed and so i did like a pure good paladin run all the way through the first two acts and now i'm starting the evil run over and taking different companions each time and that's the big uh thing that i want to say if you don't know anything about this game uh it's a dnd top down town um rpg top down isn't the right term for it because you can zoom the camera in but it's very D down to the mechanics are very similar with a few changes to the fifth edition uh dungeons and dragons rules but um you play a character and you have a choice of at least at the beginning of the game uh six different companions and you can only take three um you also have the option of taking generic characters instead but the big story that your character goes on, your companions go on with you, but all of the companions have really interesting stories. Right. Um, they're, they seem very different in terms of like their morals and their, their alignment, which is true, but they all have some kind of, um, either, either an event or a, or a long history in their past that affects the way that they see the world and the choices they make, whether they approve or disprove of the choices you make. Um, and the things that, like the, the pathways and the story options available to them based on the choices um, you make. And some of that, I think, is like, there's only so much you can do with this character. Like, they'll come along with you and you'll do this and there are some variations, but they're going to get to kind of the same place you know, in terms of like, there aren't infinite different options for each of these characters, but what they do, even just from seeing the beginning of act three and seeing what some of those characters do based on things you've learned, based on things you've seen, it's all really compelling and fascinating in a way that I almost never find in a, in a video game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree with yeah. all that. hundred percent. Um, our, our, our multiplayer campaign continues um, every Sunday, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a, such an interesting difference in watching other people make choices and, and such. Um, we have 
interestingly enough, um, probably the biggest thing that difference I think that I've noticed between these gameplay playing, and we've said this before, the, the other people, the other two people we play with aren't normal video game players. They play them casually, but nothing much. And, yeah. Um, and so, and I think that makes a big difference uh, because we have already had several times where we make egregious errors um, and then we have to roll them back. And it's, it always feels like a big deal when we're going to have, we decide to save. And it might be because in a single player game, you can save scum all the time. Oh, I did that thing. Didn't mean to reload. No big deal. Um, but in here, when you do something bad, we are all talking about choices up to that point or somebody pushes a button or something. And then, you know, we lay Zale dies, you know, gets keep murdered in her sleep. Um, right. and you're, and you're like, well, how, you know, how could, how could you make that choice? Right? <laughs> you know, it's like, and we've come right. across, a, I think that's one of the differences between our multiplayer through, uh, again, this is just to speak to how different people are and how they work with things or say things or do things or want to, how you personally go through experience at a computer RPG. Um, and it's, that's so different. You know, I know when I look at something and I see choices and then I, they'll make different ones because of their personalities or their gameplay thing. And I want, I don't know. The interesting part is I don't know if it's necessarily just this game. It might be because this is a role-playing game that is easy to play multiplayer. I, as I got to thinking about it a little bit more, I don't know if there's a whole lot of what would be considered single-player role-playing games that's actually still fun in a multiplayer environment. Oh, right. Like a, like a Telltale game. Sure, right? Or, or like those are those are all single player experiences. You're going to make choices. And the a good if if you've played Baldur's Gate and you know what we're talking about, um the 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 best illustration of the struggles we're having with making mistakes and um just loading your save. Um in our multiplayer game, we have run out of resurrection scrolls. And had to pay to res a character at least twice, mm-hmm. if not three times. Yeah. Um, and in my solo games, I have never run out of res scrolls. Like I've I've had to use two or three at most, and it's usually a case where, um, I mean, kind of like what happened to us, uh, and in that exact fight that we did last night, in fact, where one maybe two of my characters died in that fight. And I finished the fight and used a scroll on them. Um, if a fight's going really badly where you're like one person's down and, you know, it's going to be a real struggle and, a you know, pretty low odds of winning the fight, then I'll just load the save. And, do, and we did that, too. Um, but there were some cases, one of them was my fault, where I wandered off because I'm like, I'm used to, you know, if I wander off, I still have the other three people behind me. Um and I was like, well, there's this guy up here. I can just get him while they're selling our trash or whatever. And then I got killed because it's a difficult mob to fight one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and we had to use a scroll because you guys had done other stuff. Um, and part of that is that every new party member you recruit is carrying a resurrection scroll or scroll of revivify. <laughs> right. um, 
and and so I collect those even on the characters that I don't keep. Like I collect those, and so I have a few extras. And you find some in the world, but um, yeah, that's my that's my example of that. Like we've had people die so often that we've run out of the scrolls. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's also I do the more you think about it, it's that 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 we don't save scum. Like I, the fact that we have um, had to make conscious choices and talk about it before we hit reload right right uh, which is yeah how many how many, social... how many times have you done that in a single player game not at all you just go no nah, i'm just N- reloading. never you know never at all like the the characters are there they have personality but they're not playing a game right right they're they're not going to weigh in on whether or not we should load a save right they're they're real characters and so we have um it's like i was I was talking to Pete about our multi because I I talked to him in DMs because he's uh, seen almost as much of the game as I have mm-hmm. and with some earlier parts, but he's gotten almost as far. Um, I don't think anybody else has gotten actually into Act Three, but he's gotten to the end of of or near the end of Act Two several times, and so I'll just talk to him in DMs so I don't have to worry about worry about spoiling it for people. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing this and this, but I only have two spell slots. And if I want a long rest, I have to like talk the group into doing it. And he's like, yeah, you don't want to be the, the, the person in the group thirstiest for, for long rests. Yeah. And I'm like, that's true. I mean, Trotsky has spell slots, but he doesn't really use them. And you and Chris are playing fighter and barbarian. You don't have spell slots at all. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's a completely different because i've been playing so much single player it's just different like you can't just make a choice you have to do this and then our other two guys and you do this sometimes as well and i try to especially not this week but the week before um some of the guys are playing it like it's D D. yeah because it's so similar but it in some ways is well not even in some ways, but in a lot of ways is not as flexible as playing D and D. It is more flexible in the sense of, you know, you can actually load saves, yeah. which you, you know, I've never heard of anybody doing in D and D. Let's just rewind that back to when we did this thing. <laughs> yeah. But, but what happens is if, you know, if things are going poorly and there's more story to tell and the DM doesn't want to make everybody like, re-roll characters and and everybody starts off from the same point or start the adventure over or something um the dm can fudge the dice right right or or you know have the have the mobs make stupid choices or something like that there's flexibility there that a video game doesn't have yeah well we we um when you also have that thing of you know someone wants to uh, be aggressive because of an, an instant comment or something, or, or we actually, you mentioned, go, we know further on the story. Some of these characters are fashioned. Um, it's, it's easy to say, well, that guy's being a jerk. Just let that happen. It's, or it's fun or whatever. And, and with the flexibility part, you know, a, a, a DM can come and say, you know, do a storyline and say how things are happening and give you a chance to react. And if let's say a big fight's going to happen in this case, we, I mentioned, one of the characters being killed by another character during a thing, you have an opportunity to stop it. Um, if it's D and D, the DM can know that you don't actually want to kill Lizelle, right? Or kill a character. 
mm-hmm. um, and give you the opportunity to react. And if people don't, and you're like, sigh, my players are lame and not interesting, but they won't, they know that this character is important to the story. So they're not going to actually do it. Right. Right. But in a computer game, you absolutely will, or at least in this one. Uh, so that's, mm-hmm. that's one of those kind of, um, differences. But as I was saying to kind of round this one uh, so we can move on from the subject is that um, there have been other 3D isometric role-playing games, many, 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 and that have the capability to do multiplayer. But this one has just everything about it is still fun and easy and very seamless with more than one person. And I don't mean just like from the story standpoint, but um, just a simple thing that people don't even talk about is that I, as my character, can go anywhere in this game without everyone else. I don't have to zone and wait for people to zone. I don't, you know, I can go talk to different people. Uh, I can advance the story without people being forced to watch, uh, um, I don't know, somebody else's dialogue type thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you're actually, it's not an MMO because MMOs are... I call them MNOs, not MMORPGs, because they're not actually really RPGs for the most part, um, where this is an RPG. So if someone in World of Warcraft does a talking quest and finishes a quest or does a quest, it affects absolutely nobody else, right? Sure. But in this one, you can go off to the corner, run into a different zone, go fight a, a, a guy, you could die. Or maybe you start a quest and get us everybody angered in the town, at us or at you, I should say. And then I can come along and they're fine with me. Um, but mad at you type thing. It's just, and it's all seamless where I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about zoning. I have to worry about quest stuff. I don't have to worry about, um, maybe it's even things like not enough loot or varying loot or things that are good for me versus good for you. It all just seems to work and connecting to each other is also very, very simple. We haven't had any problems Staying really kind of, there's a few hiccups here. People get dropped, but it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to join someone, saving, reloading. Oh, the technology, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all that kind of stuff is just so easy. We played Divinity Original Sin, same company, still not necessarily as fun of a multiplayer experience as it could be single player, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a huge thing about Baldur's Gate that doesn't get a lot of play beyond it being a great game. The multiplayer is the best that's been done. So yeah, it's, it's really good. We kind of have said that a couple of times, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got a little bit of time left. Um, I'll just say in two minutes, I was something I wanted to say on here is cause we do talk about technology and things. I got a new, the new iPhone. Uh, we haven't do really do technology reviews or anything. All I want to say about it. It's nice. It's cool. I like the screen size of it, but an interesting thing about, iPhones, it's the same thing I feel about my Quest. I also got a new Quest 3, which I'll talk about next week. Um, is that uh, the software and the platform, when you have a, a platform that supports multiple devices, users typically don't notice any different, any difference. So, okay. Yeah, meaning that, like, if I play Street Fighter Duel on my iPhone 8, and I get an iPhone 15, it's still Street Fighter Duel, right? Sure. It's still an app. The app looks exactly the same. The app on my interface looks exactly the same. I still have the same settings as someone else, 
Now, it may load it up a little quicker, but really, between two or three seconds isn't something that I'm going to notice that big of a deal. Um, again, this could just be me. Some people could say, oh, I hu- notice huge differences and whatever. But I can say that I have, now I've got an iPhone 15 Pro Max Plus. It's the biggest thing out, monster out there. And I went from an iPhone 11. Um, and honestly, it's just a step. It feels like a step. The screen is a bigger, but that's because it's just a bigger screen. Um, mm-hmm. I don't notice it loading things incredibly crazy quick. Like when I got a new computer, oh my gosh, you can restart the computer in five seconds, 10 seconds. Here, not a real difference. Um, because again, the operating system is the same on both of them. Yeah. So the yeah, interface is flat. Change. Like you can't, um, that's a, you know, sort of the, the pro and con, you know, two edged sword of a closed platform like iOS is you can't, you can't modify it as much as you can windows. Right. Um, or, or even Mac OS. And so yeah. if you, you know, if you use a computer for three, five years, you've installed a ton of stuff on it Yeah. over the years. Like you're, you try a game and you install it, but, it, or you, you drop off it, you uninstall it, but it still leaves some stuff behind it, and you just accumulate cruft on a computer. And so when you get a new one, it's not only is it all new hardware, but the, the software, the operating system is completely um, clean. I mean, depending on the manufacturer and what stuff they bundle with it, but it's, yeah, not only is it more powerful hardware, the, the system is clean. And so it's, um, it's going to be significantly faster, but phones, I mean, except for like maybe the cameras and the occasional thing, like the, the, um, biometric, is that the right word? Um, the security things like face ID or the thumb scanner, um, have really, I think almost maybe for the last 10 years, just been really incremental improvements. Like the camera gets better, the screen gets a little better, but it's stuff that you don't really notice as much as like the first phone or the first five iPhones that each time it was like, oh, now it's got Siri. And yeah. now it's got, you know, this this great camera on the on the back and and, and when so, when you look at so, yeah. like one, one thing i did when i got my phone was or before i got it was all right what's the difference between this and that and again most of it was well the do the different ios system came out like well that doesn't make a difference between the phones right it's it's still a new my if i had my 11 i'd still have these features uh so sure. you, you try to look at what's different um and i know there's probably people screaming at the the at us right now saying like oh but you don't know it has an extra, you know, 0.25 megapixel on the on the camera that the last one didn't have with, you know, with this special feature that you use once every six years on your phone that you won't ever use again. Um, it, unless that's the one thing you use. Right. Uh, right. And I, know I, I seem to be down on this. I'm, I'm not regretting my choice at all because the trade in deals now are stupid. Uh, which is makes me sad for the environment because I got this top of the line phone traded in a phone that was four years old and I'm only paying like 300 bucks or something like that because of the trade-in deals, Mm -hmm. Um, which means they're just filling up landfills for, for no reason. What, you know, with with lithium batteries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or repurposing just, it just seems the most silliest thing. I, I know that 
Apple wants to keep making money. I get it. But it just feels like every two years would be better than every year. You just, it just doesn't make sense. That's why I don't buy a phone for every four years. But it also does make me feel that knowing these two different kinds of phones that I had, four years may not have been enough. Like I could have gone another year easy or two. Um, I, and I did feel that like, well, it's been four years. Getting a new phone is going to be significant. Um, so I will report that it's not that significant. Hardware-wise, the thing that's different on this phone than, say, the other phones are out there, it has what's called a dynamic island. It's got an action button instead of a toggle for silent and um, silent and ringer, whatever. Uh, uh, ring, fiber, the silent, yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's a button instead of a toggle. And that button, they all they go, oh my gosh, you can customize what that button does. No, you know what you need? You need to be able to turn it off of silent and not silent. So you don't change what it is right? You can change it to be, oh, yeah. it's going to automatically pull up photos for me or pull up the camera. Well, now you don't, now you've got to go into the settings to find out how to turn off silent or not silent, you know? Um, hmm. so no, you just use it for the same kind of thing anyway. Um, but I like it because it is bigger. I like the big, I'm using it. I use it as a gaming thing, computer work sometimes with, you know, mm -hmm. uh, business stuff. Um, and so a bigger screen is good. It stretches all the way to the edge, which I like that it does. But that, again, that's an operating system thing. Um, and it runs quick, just fine. But again, there's nothing that I'm running on this iPhone 15 Pro Max Plus that I wasn't running on my iPhone 11. There, there's nothing. Sure. You know, I'm doing the exact same yeah. thing. And, and next week when I talk about the Quest, I'll say, so far, I've got another week before I start playing it. So far... It's been that same way too. It's that I'm playing the same things that I was playing before. Um, but I'll talk more about that next week. That's, I think that's all I got for this week, Dennis. Yeah, I was going to maybe ask about that new Star Trek game, but I think you and I had the same response. Like, that seems interesting. Maybe when I oh, yeah. run out of. What was it called? What was it called? It starts with an I or something, right? Star Trek Infinite? Infinity? Something like that? It's a 4X Star Trek game, and I normally don't go for 4X games. They're just super time-consuming, but I, of course, love Star Trek, so I'm like, I'll at least give that a shot. Yeah, no, after, I, I, I kind of like... After I inevitably burn out on Baldur's Gate. And, and that, that, that is, that's one of the core things when I looked at, even because I thought about the show, I thought, well, maybe I should get a game and play it, which I did play a little bit of Satisfactory, um, but... Again, that's nothing new, but I thought maybe I should pick up a game and start playing. But honestly, I don't want to. I don't want to jump in, get invested, and hooked into a new game because I am still on this one, and I'd be giving up a game that I enjoy right. and playing to get another game that I'm playing. Sure, I mean because we kind of review things, I'm definitely need to do that. Um, and we are in the weird part that this is something that you know Baldur's Gate lasted us months already. Usually, we are uh, move on, but we'll we'll come to that Star Trek one. Um, Yep. We've got it on our list, right? On our little wish list stuff and play it again. Mm -hmm. Yep, Steam wish list. All right. Uh, that's everything. Next week we're watching Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, right? Right. Right. Yes. Right, right. Okay. You've been yep. listening right, to The Front right. Porch. This is episode 319. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out for reviews on things. Um. If you would like to reach out to us and tell us why Dracula Dead and Loving It is Mel Brooks's best work, you can do that 
via email. <laughs> our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and use the contact forms there to reach out to us. If you enjoy the po- the the show, the podcast, if you enjoy the front porch, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, if you leave us a favorable review, we always appreciate that. It helps out a lot with those algorithms. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.